Hello and welcome to a new episode. I have with me today a very dear friend called Anand. Uh, he's speaking to us from the UK. Uh, he's been into IT. That's all I know about him. A very calm and cool customer. Let's begin and see what he has to share with us today. Thank you. I welcome Anand to this podcast. Um, Thank you. Without much ado, uh, we shall start with a bit of introduction about yourself. Can you tell us something? Yes. So, um, so I've been. Uh, so I live in the UK. I've been. So I was born and brought up in India. Uh, but I've been living most of my uh, adult life. Uh, I would say I've lived outside India, um, oh. uh, mostly in Western Europe. Um, so uh, I spent about six years in Germany, um, or less than that, and then uh, back and forth. And then since two thousand and five, I've been living in the UK. Um, oh. uh, Work-wise, I uh, used to be a part of uh, the tech sector for over twenty twenty-two years. Um, where I moved out from executive management in the tech sector, and now I do a uh, few consulting assignments, and I also practice as an executive coach uh, for uh-huh. people who, in the corporate world, uh, you know, who need people who need uh, assistance in handling and managing uh, multicultural teams. And uh, the other gig that I do as a part of my executive coach is I also focus on working with leaders uh, who have come out as being a part on the neurodivergent spectrum. So those of them who are high-functioning autistics, dyslexics, and so on and so forth. So, so I work with those that, that cohort as well. So that's what I do, Sarinder. Uh, okay, that sounds very interesting and uh, quite a a wide spectrum of activities, if I would call it that. Uh, I was thinking this morning, uh, uh, mostly it happens on the day of the podcast. I think, okay, what do I want to ask or what do I want to know? Or at least the first question, uh, which is the only thing I know about the podcast. Everything else goes impromptu, but a little bit of preparation into what do I really want to know or how do I tap into the person that I know? If I know them, if I don't know them, then there is no such question. So in your case, uh, the question that was running in my mind, I've always seen you as calm and collected, very cool <clears throat> kind of person. So where is the drama? Where's the drama? <laughs> um, so <clears throat> the way that, uh, so the way you see me is the way that I suspect I've always been. Um, and um, so speaking, there are two broad buckets of personality behavior, right? One, those who say that they are emotional and those who say they are rational. Yeah. That's a spectrum. Yeah. So if I were to say that zero, if I were to say hmm. that scale from say minus 10 to plus 10 and zero being someone who is the perfect replica of being having the right balance of emotion and rational rationality, I'd say I'm somewhere in a minus five or minus six. Okay. okay. And so minus tilts towards rational. Minus tilts towards rational. So minus ten is I'd say extremely very, rational. Very rational, no emotions at all. And ten is hyper emotional. So you yeah. always. So in that scale, I'd say I'm somewhere between minus four, minus five, sometimes even minus six, 
if you ask my wife, she'll say you are a minus 10. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, okay. But, um, but I've always observed that uh, most people around the world, uh, as, as human beings, we've evolved. The, re the thing that separates us from apes is emotion. And uh, most individuals, so the way that I'm wired is that I am rational in my wiring. So to answer your question, why do I seem quiet? Because um, I use the time not to speak in thinking and reflection. So most people who are emotional, who are communicative, who are very verbal, spend that time and that effort to communicate verbally. Uh, I don't use that. I use that time to, to reflect and find my own answer. So, which is the reason I normally don't try and uh, I don't get affected by, by fluctuations in other people's emotions. That's number one. Number two, I think to, to answer your question, why am I the way I am? Is I suspect I've always grown around a lot of uh, emotional individuals. So, so my coping mechanism is to be the other way around. So, oh, okay. Uh, does that hinder your ability to connect to people sometimes? Uh, yes, um, not sometimes, all the time, and uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and I, that's also the reason why I chose to move away from a full-time corporate career, because um, I've started. I started to realize that at um, at executive leadership, you need to have the ability to work with different kinds of people, and uh, most executive leadership and most people, as I say, are emotionally wired, so they are between one and ten, sometimes more than five and above is the general population, is what my expectation, my general observation is. People are wired to be more emotional, which is the reason why you get people, Why would otherwise, why would anyone elect someone like uh, Trump, for example, right? So there's no rationality. So most people are emotionally wired as general population. So, and that's, uh, that proportion also is reflected in the boardroom. Now, I'm not wired like that. I'm, I, it took a long time for me, to, the last three or four years, maybe two years actually, took a, took a while for me to re realize that I'm not in the majority. So, okay. so since I'm not in that majority, uh, why do I want to, and I, all my life I've, I've, how should I put it, um, build coping mechanisms to, to, to behave in that environment. Um, now, the best way to put it is someone, you know, sometime back in my life, someone said, you know, a person can rise to his or her level of inefficiency. It basically means we are all born with a certain, what I call as default behavior. And then, so that takes us to a certain stage in life, usually from school onwards. And then we start interacting with other people. That's when you realize that you need to find a way to interact with, manage other people around you, whether it's your parents, your friends, and so on and so forth. So you build coping mechanisms around it. Now, after a point in time, you spend so much effort in building coping mechanisms that it, you start becoming inefficient. So stress starts to build in, and then you, you exhibit, uh, you know, I wouldn't say unnatural, but uncanny be reactions i would say i would i deliberately choose the word reaction and not response because reaction is emotive and response is reflective so when you are emotive you react so when you are under stress you react and you're usually under stress when you are employing 
extraordinary amount of coping mechanisms, which is different from your default behavior. And I started realizing that I was doing much, much more of that as I was getting more and more involved in boardroom conversations. And that's when I realized. In fact, the funny thing was, I actually, when I used to work for a, I used to work on a company, a large conglomerate in India. I was a part of a large conglomerate in India. And, and the company thought I was cut out for executive leadership. So they put me through an executive leadership program. I spent about seven months getting in and out of uh, Alibaba's nice premises for training. I got an executive mentor from the board. Uh, and during that discussion is what I realized that I'm not cut out for that. And that's when I made oh. a conscious yeah, so I had a very honest conversation with the board member. And uh, I said, I don't want, I, because when I was exposed to the way your expectation was, you know, uh, how you want to bring, the kind of version that you want to bring yourself into a boardroom was a very unnatural version of myself. So I realized very quickly that if I have to continue to do that, I have to employ an enormous amount of coping mechanism, which I was not prepared to because it always come at a cost. But I don't want to do that. And I consciously decided to step away from it. Now I'm in a better place. So, so sorry, it's a long answer to sort of a short No, question. it is beautiful because I'm thinking uh, this is going to be a long conversation probably uh, because you're covering a lot of ground. But I'll keep it basic for now. Most people are hungry for power or some kind of vindication of who they think they are. This entire coping mechanism, what you call as a negative, for them is a small price to pay for what they are ambitious about. Yes. Uh, I have I have a lot of friends uh, being in the age group that we are. So say 35 to 50, I'm just loosely defining the age group, not necessarily all of them belong there. But say 40 plus for sure. And I'm finding Sometimes it's a lot of kiddish behaviors. Sometimes it's a lot of being adamant about issues that don't even matter. Just to keep that power game going or the, the, the idea of things being how I want them. Because I am uh, the boss or I am in charge of the situation. Mostly people my age group are now managers and uh, heads of departments and uh, my I do not know if it is a coping mechanism but I have this very healthy thing of laughing at myself and at everybody else especially people who are very powerful uh, I find it ridiculous that that for billions of years the earth has sustained itself it didn't matter whether I was born or not and it won't matter if I am gone or not how does this entire structure of I am very powerful, I am so good at this or that? Of course, when I was younger, I was fairly proud and it is kind of discovering who you are uh, and uh, one goes through the pitfalls of being ambitious or proud. Now, you are mentioning it as a drawback in a position where possibly a younger version of you would have envisioned yourself that if I reach here this is how I will run a company or run a department or something like that perhaps perhaps I'm just thinking aloud which is most of us what most of us did when we were younger now that you have it in your hands you are calling it all kinds of quote-unquote psycho babble uh, if I were to call it that just because of 
how a person who is greedy for something or ambitious for something would look at there are a lot of people who look at me saying i yeah, let go ha uh, i let go of opportunities very often because they are either not my kind of clients or i don't think the in fact i had a, a phrase for it sometime back i used to call it hassle money that i work for free but i charge you for the for the enormous pressure you are putting on me about the deadline or the work should be done this way or that because i write for a living i am happy about writing and i am i am glad to be in communication so any kind of stress you are giving me is what you are being charged for everything else is free but i i would very happily build your brand for you so how do you see this uh, this part now that you come out what is the mindset that makes anand different at this point because even now you are execute into executive coaching in yes. fact uh, in fact as an outsider insider if i understand your role correctly yes what is it and i want the mind space more than even uh, uh, physical definitions of what is different um i think so um so from a so when i was in corp when when i was in executive management and executive leadership what i what i came to realize is that see when you uh, when you rise in an organization right so and you all know it's a pyramid so the the higher you go your success usually would come at the cost of someone else's failure that's simply the 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 way it is <laughs> um so that's number one um often people don't realize it and you know i have seen this happen in fact you know sometimes you've got to engineer somebody else's failure it's again um, there was a time in my life yeah so why would anyone do that uh, because so i have to i fall back on my upbringing so my upbringing is is reasonably middle class so we all grow with and middle class values are uh, you know do the right thing be honest you know um, live within your means and and all of that um so my upbringing did not allow me to do that now there are uh, there are people who have now i'm not taking a virtuous position saying oh i'm I i'm not taking a virtuous position uh what i realize is that that but that is a requirement for you to 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 be successful in that in that in that space now, anybody who comes and tells me that um, you know a corporate there are honest good natured well intentioned people but a simple way of 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 framing this is if you are at that level you need to have the ability to what i call as bury bodies or what somebody burying bodies i cannot do both so i will be the first person to call an elephant in the room so that's just the way that i am uh, and i realize that that's actually a drawback mine it's not some it's not that the others are having an issue i have an issue because i can't handle that so the best way is to remove myself from that situation and that's what i did now people that i coach you know sometimes i admire them saying they are able to maybe they have switched their they've been able to um, you know to lose it use the term loosely right? um, amend their value model value systems uh, where they acknowledge that, look i won't be able to do all this but i'm not going to be telling all if some if i see somebody else doing things which i don't feel is right and that's an adjustment that they have made uh, and i work with those individuals also but as as for me that's not something which i want to do that's the reason i moved out of it 
So to answer your question, yeah, I mean, coping mechanism was I had to, I realized that I cannot do. So I stepped out. When I coach others, I help them understand, you know, where is their level of, be honest with them and let them understand, you know, where is your level of inefficiency? And uh, it's up to you to decide. That's one. Second thing is, there's a cost that you have to bear for anything. You can do, you can continue to cope at an infinite level, but then you continue to bear costs for doing that. Either you bear costs or your dependents are bearing that cost because you bring a version of you which is unnatural at home, which is an extension of your office, and then others see that as well. So are you, uh, if you're okay with that, then that's your choice. Uh, I'm nobody to to tell you what, what you think is right or wrong. But as an executive coach, my job is to make sure that the other person is aware that this is what you may end up doing or this is what others around you may end up experiencing. Now it's up to you to decide whether you want to continue in that direction or not. I hope that answers your question. Okay, I have a trick question here now. Uh... That's a beautiful answer. It's good to advise others. It's also good to figure out that you are the elephant in the room. Yeah, I'm the elephant in the room. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you got out of it. But it's very simply said, uh, on the night of deciding such critical things where you worked very hard and uh, your life experiences, uh, which are not necessarily work experiences, which a lot of people watching, I would hope they understand the difference. Uh, bring you to a point where you take calls on deciding who you are. It is true in corporate life, it is true in personal life, it is true in any other field of endeavor that a human being is most of the time. And perhaps uh, this question can arise at, at any level. Uh, it could also be as an intern, you just join the organization and you realize it's not the organization uh, which was promised to you. It has other uh, stuff that you are not ready to deal with, some of them that you mentioned. <clears throat> so my question, simply put, uh, these things have been defined by you very nicely. But what happened when you had to take that decision to move out? Were you very comfortable or were there nights of indecision because you did say that you were middle class and you have to go through other, everything comes at a cost and this decision is a big cost. Because till the time you become became the executive coach or whatever other things that you're doing and I do not know what kind of remuneration it is compared to what you were making there. Capitalism buys out everything these days. Everything, everything that can be sold is bought, and all of us unfortunately are part of that huge juggernaut. We don't. We are trying to find out where can we step out of that uh, gravy train, if you want to call it, or any such thing. That okay, this is enough for me. But it is always at a cost, and that cost gives us sleepless nights for a for a night or two, if nothing else. Unless we are very very clear that this is exactly where we be, because we've stretched our coping mechanisms by then. So my question to you is, uh, I want you to talk about that space where you were very unsure. Right now you seem in a comfortable position, you've gone through that, what Tagore would call the dark night of the soul. Uh, how have you, was there something like that and how did you cope with that? So, uh, which is where I fall back on my uh, 
default wiring which is i am usually very rational uh, mm. my approach so which is what i was even when i was making this transition um you know a lot of people have made the switching or i don't like this and i'm just going to quit one day actually i have done that as well you know you may be surprised you know in my if i reflect on my career i have switched few employers and there have been at least couple of instances where i have resigned without having another job in my head it was a very emotional so that's why i say even people <clears throat> like all of us have uh, you know yeah yeah and there is a even if i say that i'm i'm my most of the time i'm very rational but all of us have the the all of us are have an emotional side to all of us and there will always irrespective of how much i try to be responsive rational cool there will always be situations where you will do unnatural uncanny things and that is the time when you have i have the ability to take a step back and say hang on a minute that was not the right my usual behavior so this is the time for me to take a pause and take a step back so so i have employed that rational thinking to my own behavior that's number one number two you are very right you know big this is a big change right so i have a um, a daughter who is going through uh, who is getting into the equivalent of 10 standard in india and then she has a you know life to go forward to and my wife is also an entrepreneur so i have responsibilities uh, to my family so i can't simply abandon them so it took a while for me to plan this out and um, and i took maybe about a year year and a half uh, to think about this so I, when i got when i moved away from the company that i mentioned some time back where i moved away from so it was during covid things were not working out and then the business in europe the business that i was running for this company was they decided to make the change they decided to offer me something else i didn't want and then i take decided to take a step away from all of that so this was in 2020 i'd say 2020 summer uh, and then after that i had a choice you know i could have said no i don't want to do anything more i just want to step away and figure out what i want to do in life that is not the way that i am wired i need a plan to work and i spent that time to put a plan together and for me to during the time that i was i needed i had i had to take an hour a year actually to work that plan out and during that year i took up another job as a an interim mechanic i was not happy with that but i knew that the purpose of me taking up the job is not to have a fulfilling career in this company it is for me to have a means to an end so i did that and then the plan as of now and then i had to make sure that there are finances that i showed up so there were some assets which i had some aspiration personal aspirations about uh, which i said that's why that's it comes back to my con, con definition of cost so that was a cost that i was willing to pay so those assets were doing well but that was i realized that those i i could use those assets now than maybe 10 15 years later when they would probably be at a much better value i said am i i don't i, I sold those assets because i needed those that cash now for the general well being of all of us as a family and for my own sanity so i i sold those assets showed up some finances and then i stepped into consulting thankfully knock on wood you know there are some of these opportunities that have shaped up so i'm not yet needing to dip into my um 
uh, my savings. So I still continue my consulting fees are helping me uh, pay some of my financial responsibilities towards my family. But to answer your question, I was comfortable. I did it when I was comfortable. And the reason I was comfortable is because I invested time in putting a plan in place. And the reason I did that is because I'm naturally wired to be rational. Uh, I don't want it to make it sound so easy for people who are watching it. But uh, one of the thoughts that sprung is uh, when you said that there is a scale of emotional and rational plus 10, minus 10, whatever your figures in 0, 0, 0.0 and where you stand. But effectively, uh, I had read in some book, uh, I forget the terms used, but in the Kabbalah, there was this emotional part and this rational part, and it was almost like what you described with the x-axis of something. And uh, the more you moved this side, the other side coped up automatically. And if you moved up that side, the other side coped up automatically. So I want to bring this up because what it's what it seems to me when I hear your story is that to cover up for the emotional decision that you needed to take, you used your natural uh, acumen and rationality to buttress that part. So you planned it while you were still backing your emotional instinct. So it's not necessarily one at the cost of another, but it is trying to give yourself space so that you can figure out what percentage of what will work when. Um, I want to bring this up because a lot of time this fight becomes dualistic and it is actually not. It is uh, it's common for all of us to go through both these uh, extremes at different points of time. <clears throat> so even if one takes a wrong decision or a right decision, then you have to come back and figure out where are the percentages going wrong and perhaps rework on whatever is the situation at that point of time. Correct. And, uh, you know, it goes back to the very first point that you brought up, right? You know, for whatever time that we have known each other, you have seen me quiet, calm, reflective. Right? Say so it basically goes back to that, um, that, that demeanor is, uh, I can't, uh, you know, sometimes I admire others who are very emotional and who are very communicative. And in my daughter's own was very popular. So I chose not because, uh, you know, you need to have the ability. And that's uh, the reason I say that is a lot of people think that, oh, you know, you, you're very calm. You're very controlled. Detached. I tell, detached. And I tell people that actually that's uh, in the world, it's actually a disadvantage because you think about it, right? Most people, and we have as human beings, that's been my observation, right? most human beings are evolved to have what is called as emotional empathy. So you know, you can relate to other people's emotions. You have you can project your emotion and you can very quickly relate to other people. I am one of those I'm told, and the reason I told say I'm told is because when I went through my executive coaching, training, and all that. And through my career and all of the leadership development program that I've been a part of, all of some I've been through uh, my very own fair share of psychometric analysis. And psychometric analysis does fairly answer the way that I am. So I'm in a minority. So uh, uh, from, from in the way that uh, people, mm -hmm. the general population has evolved. Now, 
it, and it took me a while to realize because for me the biggest source of stress was why is that person even not able to think it's common sense yaar you whatever you why is that common sense what i realized is that common sense is actually the most uncommon thing in the world honestly speaking now it took a long time for me to realize now the problem is most people think about a situation right most people don't have common sense if that is the case and if you have you are the one who is the minority for me that is over the penny dropping moment is that there was no reason i was unnecessarily getting anxious saying why is he not thinking like that because they are not wired to think like that they don't think like that they are emotional and everyone is you know that's how the world moves and i am not i am the outlier so to speak right so when that penny dropping moment happened that was the way time when i felt very liberated and that is the time when i realized that no i don't want to be a part of this it's going to cause me a lot of stress and i play to my strengths that is the way that i i think sometimes you have to hold your mirror and you rightly said right i am the elephant in the room so when i realized i'm the elephant yeah, i know that because uh, just to make you feel happier it's not about being minority because you have a certain kind of demeanor uh thinking for oneself is the minority part uh, i have been in boardrooms uh, where discussions have happened and something as simple as that uh, this is quite some time back you would relate to it because their age and there were no mobile phones so we had come with come up with some concept which was like as easy as was the theme so as easy as having a pco in your colony and we had some person in the boardroom saying but a pco is in everywhere i said yes but it is so we are in where do you stay he said pedder road <laughs> <laughs> and and just within a second you knew that there is nothing that you can do about it because boardrooms were around the city and i i remember standing there i used to work at fort and i used to come at that near the window and look at the city line and think you are doomed <laughs> is not much that can be done because common sense is not going to be common so very often it's it's about understanding more than demeanor itself also uh, according to me because i am kind of opposite in terms of i'm quite gregarious and uh, outgoing and i i try and make people relax uh, as much as i can uh, um one other thing that i would want to ask you is is there a, a poor me mentality in you because you realize this because you also said that you became liberated once you that penny drop happened is because you realized okay this is where i stand now most times we think the world owes us something mm. this is another way of thinking most of us move around in the world thinking that they should have understood what we are trying to do or what are my problems uh, we push it to why me in extreme situation why did that happen or not happen in your case or do you want to just continue that line of thought that okay you you are wired in a particular manner where you don't but how does that feeling of you feeling that you are not special because that's what makes us behave like this that we are special that the world owes us something okay i went through this problem or i am not wanting to uh, adjust to this solution that is coming up whatever the solution might be unless it is like bias we are always uh, finding out reasons why it should not be so 
So where does that Anand is special doesn't happen in your head or does it? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I trust me, there are people around me who will make sure that uh, even if I was slightly, even if uh, there was a, an iota of myself thinking that I'm special, there are, there are more than others around me to say I am nowhere anywhere close to being that. No, so the short answer to the question, no, I don't think I'm special. Um, I, you know, it called. Uh, the own the best way to put this is so I always try and see where is that I can add value. Um, whether it's in your personal relationship with your wife as well, and with your wife, your daughter, you know, with uh, my people that I consult for in this conversation as well. So where is it that I'm adding value? So. So when I, I have that mindset all the time. So even now I'm thinking, am I adding value to this conversation? So if I, since I have that thinking predominantly in my head, I don't, you know, for me, the, the idea of me being special usually doesn't allow itself to come because I'm constantly trying to say, where is my, where's the value? Now, I don't know whether we call it, there are different terms for all of this, yeah. but, um, but that's the way that I, I bring myself forward to. So is there a value that I'm adding? So if you're not That's adding wonderful. value. Because I have a few terms for that. Uh, some may call it humility. Uh, some would call it a sense of service. Uh, uh, I also want to clarify one of the things that you said that some somebody else at, in some position that you were would have been perhaps more um, uh, had more empathy. But I think this itself is empathy. Um, all that we really have is our own minds. Because that is where we live most of our lives. We may think we are living it outside, but in my understanding, uh, we are like whatever description you given, if I were to sit with your wife and talk or your colleagues and talk or some friends or family, they may have a completely different version of you. Uh, and which may be equally right or wrong. One is I'm sure because everybody comes to uh, a subject with their own uh, prism of watching it. You know, this is how I look at it. This is how I am. This is how you are. And this is how the situation is, for example. So one doesn't really know. But having said that, the intent that you have to serve, uh, to be humble, uh, humble in the sense that you are not, it's not faking humility. It's just saying that this is, I am a, I'm a cog in the wheel. This is my job. This is how I do it to the best of my ability and leave it there. Uh, these are certain values that come up to me because I try and see it from the prism of uh, the values workshop. What are the values that come up in a conversation? Um, Actually, is there anything? If, if I may interrupt you, right? So Yeah, please. That was not the perception for a lot of because if you, if you remember what I said earlier on is so up until not too long, maybe a couple of years or so back, I used to be very angry with everyone else, saying, you know, why is this not person not able to understand, right? Uh, so that if you, but if you think from the other person's shoes, right, he's, I'm constantly trying to tell people, you know, yeah, I can't even think like this. I'm thinking, I, I have thought this through because I'm wired to think. I don't, as I said, my brain, quite literally, physiologically, is not spending energy in emotion. So it is able to, 
figure out cognitively what you need to do rationally. So I'm able to figure out from top to bottom what's the what's possible, what are the consequences, what's the risk. The entire SWOT analysis, as we say, is always there in my head. Now, I'm, I'm always questioning everybody else who are mostly all emotional around me. Saying, you are, you know, and that's the, is the reason why in English there's this term called emotional food. So, so in my head, everyone's default emotional, emotional, and by that reason, everyone is a fool. That used mm. to be my thinking. Now imagine, right? Most emotional people around me are thinking I'm an arrogant a-hole. Right? Mm. So, to answer your question, yes, I had an arrogant side to me, which everybody thought I'm super arrogant. I was not being arrogant. I was just telling them what I felt. But that the penny dropping moment came then you know, as you also put, I am the one who is the, uh -huh. who is the one. So when that happened, I said, hang on a minute. They are not able to think because I am not, just the way that I am not able to emotionally be empathetic, they cannot be cognitively empathetic simply because they are not wired. When that understanding came through, it was a transformation. So that's when I'm hoping that the same people who have observed me over the past several years would be able to identify the dis distinguishing uh, behavior in me two years before and two years hence. And that's what mm -hmm. my hope. 